Are you ready for the end of the world? You are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again, the circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Being. (laughs) Wake up! And be healthy and therefore wealthy to peace. I almost got it. I was so close. Yeah. (laughs) the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to Your Community Spirit. This is Ord, the Almost Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And we are here um, live, as you can see. Even our promo messes up. <laughs> yeah. Like, that would be funny, though, if we recorded a promo with a, one or two slight mistakes in it and then had two or three of those. So you'd think we were live. <laughs> Just like, well, even when we did record the show, we recorded it ahead of time. When we were, you know, some, every once in a while we would be gone. Yeah. And so. I remember that, yeah, because we would record, and we would record it all in one take. Yeah. You know. So it would be live, but it'd be recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what this is. Maybe. We might have recorded this on Tuesday. If we talk about any news that happened since Tuesday, you know it's not true. <laughs> yeah. So, global warming could cause 50% increase in violent conflict. Well, that's happened since Tuesday, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's been a hard week in a lot of parts of the country. Not really here so much. Um, let's see. Well, this week, the exiled head of the Syrian opposition movement said he would meet representatives of President Bashar in Geneva, a promising turn for a conflict that ele- left 11,000 dead, including many civilians, since 2001. Now, it's been a long, bitter battle. But one of the roots of violence stretches back several years before this. Beginning in 2006, a prolonged, severe drought decimated farmland, spiked food prices, and forced millions of Syrians into poverty, helping to spark the unrest that eventually exploded into civil war. Yeah. So things like droughts and and famines and such can... I mean, they're not necessarily going to of themselves immediately cause a civil war, but if you already have pre-existing problems, which most countries do, and then a drought strikes, people fight over what to do. And so this conflict is just like one example of a direct correlation between climate change and armed conflict. Yeah. So, And this is a field that's increasingly um, pipping the interest of crime criminologists yeah criminologists criminologists mm-hmm. that's not the people who are cr- criminals <laughs> well they probably could be they study crime so much They're oh pro- maybe that's true professional students of crime so you gotta wonder <laughs> yeah so studies have begun to crop up in leading journals examining the this connection from the you know they're looking way back even the collapse of the mayan civilization you know to look at it now a survey published in science takes the first ever 30,000-foot view of this research, looking at the trends to tie these examples together through fresh analysis of raw data from 60 uh, quantitative studies. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah, it is really interesting. They say that unusually high temperatures could lead to tens of thousands more of cases of interpersonal violence and also intergroup violence. So, like, one-on-one violence and societies fighting each other can increase when it gets hot out there. So what can we do? Is there any way we can um, turn hot places into cool places? 
Well, that's a good question. Uh, we could just hire a bunch of, um, what are they called, celebrities, and that would make it cool. <laughs> yeah, for just like, have the celebrities go stand out in the desert and cool it off. Yeah, just for the 15 seconds of fame, right? Or, yeah. I don't know. They, they use different terms for saying when someone's cool. Like sometimes they're cool, sometimes they're hot. The celebrities might be too hot and heat up the desert. Uh-huh. For 15 seconds? Yes. <laughs> like so. So this plan is, uh, should we turn deserts into carbon-sucking tree plantations? What? <laughs> this is a plan? It's a plan. It's I an mean, idea. Is this even like, why is it a question mark? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, let's see. Let's turn deserts into cool places with trees. Um, let's see. Should we think about this? <laughs> I guess we were thinking about it. Yes. Well, some scientists do think that we should vegetate the hell out of deserts. The latest such idea calls for large plantations of a hardy species of Central American tree to be planted in near coastal desert areas and irrigated with desalinated water. Uh, while forests soak up carbon dioxide, deserts do comparatively little to help with climate change. So should these seas of sand be planted and watered out of existence to, in a bid to reduce CO2 levels? Some people say yes. It would be like geoengineering, which is when they, they try to... Basically, they're trying to terraform the Earth, <laughs> which is really interesting. Um, it's not a brand new idea. They, I mean, there's new research being done on it now. They also call it carbon farming. Uh, the idea of replacing it, deserts, is not entirely new. A few years ago, scientists proposed planting eucalyptus trees throughout the Saharan and Australian deserts. And it's an interesting idea to me because it does present the possibility of sequestering a lot of carbon, CO2, but there's going to be energy involved in irrigation, and e even though there may not be as much life in desert ecologies, there is life in desert ecologies, and you're basically saying, we don't like this ecology anymore, we're going to eliminate it and replace it with this one. True, but I mean, in most cases, the desert was a forest. Yeah. Until someone cut down a bunch of trees or burned them down. I mean. Yeah, that's true. It'd be really interesting to try to do like a restoration project where you take like the Sahara and turn it into whatever forest it used to be before it became the Sahara. Right. <laughs> well, that takes a lot of energy. You know, it's a lot of time and a lot of energy to re reforest the desert. Very true. <clears throat> I have read some stuff in permaculture about how to do that. You know, different ideas about just what they're talking about. Once you have some trees there that start to grow, they start to create their own ecology around themselves. Like they mediate the rain and they do all sorts of interesting things. They become a forest. Yeah, <laughs> they like, become a forest. <laughs> <laughs> so deserts may be the next ecosystem to go extinct, but it may be replaced by forests. I don't believe it. <laughs> Although I did read this book years ago called um, Gaviotis, A Village to Reinvent the World. Oh, yeah. And they did that. They were in, um, they were in uh, Colombia, South America, and there was a desert, but it used to be, it is in, you know, a rainforest area. Yeah. But what happened is there was, you know, massive fires and they cut down a lot of trees. And anyway, they started planting trees and now there's uh, rainforest again. Yeah. I mean, it took 20 years, but it was just you planted a tree and it created shade for the next tree and it mm. just perpetuated this whole, um, what is it called? Nature. 
<laughs> yeah. Like, it made me think of my friends who love the desert and live in the desert. Like, just like we have forest preserves now, in a hundred years there may be desert preserves because they've reforested almost all of the planet. That sounds like a good dream. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that could be a good dream because I mean it's really easy to make a desert. Yeah, it's not that hard. No, you just, just tear up everything and put in some like, cactus and. <laughs> um, some sometimes they call cities deserts, right? Yeah, like food deserts, water deserts. Yeah, it's just. If there is no nature, it's a desert, whether it's intentional or not. Um, a lot of cities are deserts, you know. So, should we talk about Coke? Yeah. It's so funny, the name of these guys. <laughs> the Coke brothers hire lobbyists to fight carbon tax, save poor and old people. Wait, what? <laughs> okay. Um, Charles and David Coke really don't want a carbon tax. Carbon tax proposals are going nowhere in Congress, but the Koch brothers aren't taking any chances. A few non-office-holding Republicans and a few actual office-holding Democrats are calling for a carbon tax, but the current Congress would never pass one, and even the Obama administration has said it doesn't want one. Still, a grandstanding Republican representative, Steve Calise of Louisiana, is pushing a House resolution declaring, quote, that a carbon tax would be detrimental to the United States economy and to American families and businesses, and that it would fall hardest on the poor, the elderly, and those on fixed incomes, end quote. Um, never mind that many carbon tax proposals are actually designed specifically to ease the burden on low-income Americans. Of course, facts are not of interest here. Mm -hmm. The billionaire oil mogul Koch brothers, who've convinced many politicians to sign a no climate change, well, I mean, a no climate tax pledge, have hired a gang of lobbyists to push this pointless resolution, the Hill magazine, is it the Hill magazine or newspaper? Anyway, there's, um, we, we, we've, we've tapped into like the politics. So. <laughs> yeah, that's so, uh, I mean, they're, they're so, these billionaire oil moguls, the Koch brothers, they're they so... To, they have to waste their money somehow. Come <laughs> yeah. on. They can't do it on productive things. Yeah. It's easier to waste money on things that are not productive. Yeah. They're so rich that they'd rather spend a few million squashing out the possibility of a carbon tax than do anything productive with it. Like, they want to they wanna be sure it stays dead in the ground, which it currently is, unfortunately, but... I don't know how realistic this is, but I saw an internet thing going around that showed a picture... Well, anyway, it said, if McDonald's workers were paid a prevailing living wage, the dollar menu would become a dollar seventeen menu. <laughs> yeah. And so know. this is this is where business have reached the point where they're so focused on making money that they don't really care what happens. Yeah. You know, I mean. I don't um, know if I'd be willing to pay an extra seventeen cents so that my friends who work in retail could actually have. Decent pay. <laughs> That's no. a lot. Well, I mean, they have decent pay. They just have to work two jobs to get it. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, or maybe three. I don't know. Because um, none of them actually get full-time work. Yeah. But I like the fact that this article points out that most, uh, especially as time goes on, most carbon tax proposals are specifically designed to help the poor. Like, they, what they do is it's like they put a carbon tax on the polluters and then... That may increase energy bills, so they give a rebate to the low-income people who have high energy bills. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, they may people of low incomes may actually do better with the carbon tax than they're doing currently. But I guess the Koch brothers don't want that to happen. 
Well, I mean, the whole idea of taxes, period, you know, people who make a lot of money don't like the idea of taxes. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's the idea of taxes, the money's supposed to go to make things better. Yeah. Now, you know, the the companies that don't want to pay taxes, well, instead of paying taxes, they should give a percentage of their money to organizations that make the world better. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, you have figured out a way to not pay 15% taxes. Well, donate 15% to nonprofits in the world to make the world a better place. Yeah. it's You don't have to pay taxes, but you should realize that this world needs money to survive. Yeah, <laughs> that would be good. I mean, that's why they have things like tax write-offs, like you donate to a nonprofit and then you deduct it from your taxes. Right. Like, but instead of doing that, they just avoid <laughs> taxes entirely, and society suffers. Yep. All right. Society has been suffering, has it? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, let's see. What's this next one? A hundred million dollars worth of natural gas goes up in flames every month in North Dakota. Yeah. Amongst amidst a uh, uh, oil and gas drilling boom in North Dakota. A new report suggests that nearly a third of the natural gas that's being sucked out of the ground is being wasted. Wasted by being burned on site and flared away. The practice of flaring, burning off natural gas instead of capturing it and selling, is so rampant in the state that it is clearly visible from space. Reuters reports, Remote well locations combined with historically low natural gas prices and the extensive time needed to develop pipeline networks have fueled the controversial practice commonly known as flaring. While oil can be stored in tanks indefinitely after drilling, natural gas must be immediately piped to a processing facility. Flaring has tripled in the past three years, according to the report. So, yeah. I don't know. That just shows how wasteful the process is. You know, $100 million dollars worth of natural gas going up in flames in just one state in one month. I thought we were trying to become, um, what is it, energy independent. <laughs> yeah. There goes our energy independence right into the air. But it's cheaper to import stuff from another country. That's that's where the true cost of things would, if it came out, would be much more productive instead of, you know, subsidizing oil companies where they're making billions of dollars, if you didn't subsidize them, if we didn't subsidize them, they would utilize, you know, waste is money lost. Yeah. And they're wasting, you know, by shooting this in the air because it's cheaper to not use it. Yeah. And because because we subsidize them and because they dodge a lot of taxes, they can just do that. That's fine. And they still can make a profit. But if we didn't subsidize them and they didn't dodge all their taxes then they'd probably have to capture that so they wouldn't lose money. I wouldn't have a problem subsidizing, you know, industry as long as we had a say in what our money is used for. If we subsidize, you know, the oil companies, you know, about 40% tax breaks and all that, well, we should have a 40% say in their how their company operates. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> they like that even less than the carbon tax idea, it's just though. Like, well, then don't take our money. It's yeah. public money. Don't take our money. If yeah. you're taking the people's money, the people should have a right to say how you use that money. Yeah. 
Well, this story caught my eye because we were hearing all about this this natural gas boom, how everyone's pushing natural gas. Well, there's another bonanza that's starting to occur. Offshore auction signals start of wind bonanza. Coming soon to a coastline near you, wind developers have accepted invitations to the government's New England Offshore Wind and Energy Party. There are currently no offshore wind farms in the U.S. waters, but the Obama administration intends to change that. On Wednesday, the government auctioned off the rights to construct turbines in nearly 165,000 acres of federal waters south of Massachusetts and Rhode Island, the first of many offshore auctions the Interior Department has planned. So they're making steps to actually build some of these wind farms. And I was just seeing a map where it was showing where some of the prime places for different types of renewables were. And the ocean, you know, there's a lot of spots right in the ocean where wind farms can make tremendous amounts of energy. I actually got into it a little bit with somebody yesterday who were talking about how the wind farms up near Chicago don't look good. They're a blight <laughs> on the... I was just like, okay, well, what do you think of power plants? They're like, oh, I'm used to that. It's <laughs> yeah. like... It's just like... Yeah, I still don't understand that. I mean, I understand, you know, if it was nothing versus wind farms, how they could say, well, let's not have some wind farms. But... I've seen a lot of these industrial centers where there's just this black smoke belching up into the air, and people say, oh, that's a part of life. Well, now they just belch it at night, so you don't see it, so it's not <laughs> yeah. as big a problem. They wear it not looking. It looks like mortar, though. It's like this fuming volcanic mass, like just in the middle <laughs> of cities. Like so, but see, what they're doing nice. is that, that smoke that's going in the air, that's the color of money. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, as long as you can, like... You know, have the money in your hands and see the smoke at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Would you like to save the economy? How about save the economy, visit a park? In these economically sluggish times, the morals of a capitalist America say that you basically should not do anything unless it simulates the economy. Well, guess what? It doesn't mean you need to go out and buy more stuff. You can go out and buy experiences, too. Wow. You can go, for instance, to a national park. You can rent a kayak. You can hire a guide. You can do all of the, the benefits of the outside and still be doing your part to create jobs. Think Progress reports, last year's nearly 417 million recreation visits to public lands and the waters stimulated $45 billion in economic impacts along with 372,000 jobs. This number does not include the value of protecting places from development beyond recreation such as clean air, clean water, and habitat. This isn't just something that makes life better for people living in those places in the short term. Protecting land from development creates economic growth in the long term. As just one example, Economics consulting firm Headwaters Economics found that jobs in western, non-metropolitan counties that have more than 30% protected public lands increased by 345% over the last four decades, while counties with no protected lands saw jobs increase by only 83%. Yeah. So having natural... Makes means there's more jobs. Yeah, like say the Shawnee National Forest, for example. Yeah. As I read this article, it just the Shawnee National Forest. How many and the people state come here because of our national forest? Oh yeah. I think the whole wine trail would not be as inducive if 
there was no natural forest that you could drive through and visit while the wine. Yeah, if the wine trail was like in the Chicago suburbs and it's just it's a like, bunch of... That would be funny. <laughs> it's just like, come and take the wine trail as you drive through Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> That's called, um, what is it, robbing liquor stores. That's, yeah. <laughs> just like, it's the wine fail. <laughs> yeah. But we've got a beautiful wine trail area down here, lots of recreation. That is my favorite way to develop the economy. Well, one of my many favorite drinking ways. Drinking wine? Well, drinking wine, yeah, wine trail. <laughs> but, yeah, outdoor recreation. It's like, There's so many ways we can develop the economy without destroying our environment. It's so nice. I think I might go kayaking this weekend. That's a good idea. Yeah, it's a beautiful but, weekend for it. Yeah, it's like kayaking, you can go into, you can be really quiet and sneak up on a deer or an animal as it's right on the because they don't really hear you coming. Yeah, because you're just drifting on the water. Yeah, it's just like you can be quiet and actually see nature without, um, what is it called, working. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, hiking into, I, it's it's still work, I guess, but, you know. Yeah. It's like paddle, paddle, drift, 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 paddle, paddle. It's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like. It's a good time. Just remember to bring water because it is hot. So, It's August. August, how did that happen? Does that mean summer's going to finally come here? <laughs> I think. It seemed like the last couple of days it's finally kicking in. It can't make up its mind. It keeps going like a little bit not summer, a little bit summer. I think that's even the worst thing when it fluctuates so much. It's like you don't get a chance to get used to it. Yeah, your body can't decide. Okay. Is it summer? Are we talking about the weather? Ah, oh. <laughs> It's just like... Yeah, we got to do the weather report. You know, you can't peek your head out the window and see what the weather is. You got to listen to us. Did you know that the today, the 2nd of August, is the official signing of the De Declaration of Independence? Yeah. So they just randomly said, okay, the 4th of July is the day. <laughs> well, they I forget. I think that was when they wrote the first draft and then people had to sign it. And Well, they had to send it out to all the colonies, yeah. right? Because, I mean, it, it took a while to travel then to get everybody to sign it. It took a while, I guess. Yeah. You know? Yeah, a lot of people have this mistaken notion that everyone was just sitting in the room at the same time and just signed it right then. But yeah, no, <laughs> it took time. So, All so right. this is the official anniversary. Let's see. We've also got some birthdays coming up. James Baldwin, the the author, is having a birthday today, and Martha Stewart's birthday is on Saturday. So you can she's labeled here as a domestic goddess. You can do all sorts of. Home decorating stuff on Saturday. Well, Sunday is the birthday of both President Barack Obama and Louis Armstrong. Sunday is U.S. Coast Guard Day and also National Underwear Day. Yes. So be sure you've got clean underwear on Sunday. And, and wear one of those little Coast Guard hats. Oh, yeah. You it's can like wear, just, like, maritime underwear. Yeah, just, just, like, walk around in your underwear and wear one of those little Coast Guard hats. That, yeah. would, that would be cute. I don't care who you are. No matter how big your belly, that'd be cute. I'm just kidding. Yeah. And I'll bet if you listen to WDBX a little bit later today, you'll hear some Louis Armstrong. He's, they play him on here for jazz shows and other shows. He's got some good stuff. Tuesday is National Fresh Breath Day. So you have one day, but it's also National Mustard Day. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to celebrate those on the same day. you got to have some breath mints. Um, of course, every DJ here is like physically fit and very good um, hygiene. <laughs> yes, it's like you can't see us, so we can claim that. It's like I actually have pants on. No, I got shorts on. I lied. So, 
Um, Tuesday is the anniversary of both Hiroshima Day and the Voting Rights Act of 1965 was signed. Yeah. All right, coming up on Wednesday, we have Particularly Preposterous Packaging Day. I'm glad I let you say that. I would have mangled that. <laughs> yeah. Did you know you can uh, mail stuff in strange packaging, too? Like, as long as it's not hazardous, it can be a strange shape or... As long as it's got a label on it. I think, I'm trying to think what, I I got um, a coconut. <laughs> I got a coconut in the mail once. Yeah. I've heard of people getting watermelons. Like you just use a Sharpie, uh, you use a marker to write on the watermelon where it goes. I, yeah. Put a stamp. <laughs> huh. That but, would be expensive because they're like made of water. Yeah. Which weighs a lot. I was just like mailing a watermelon, huh? Yeah. And I'm sure the people at the post office may not like if you mail certain strange things like that, because what if it breaks in transit? Uh, but it's preposterous. Wednesday is also Professional Speakers Day. Uh, in case you haven't guessed, you know, we're not currently being professional speakers. <laughs> we're being goofy speakers. But Wednesday we can t be in professional mode and be professional speakers. I don't know. I mean, what's the definition of professional? I think you're just paid. Yeah, professional so means paid. We're definitely not professional. We've not been doing this for... What, 15 years? And, yeah, by this point, we should be getting paid something. But Yeah, they're paying us to not fun. come on the next week. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. um, be prepared. Thursday is sneak some zucchini onto your neighbor's porch night. <laughs> okay. That's a strange holiday. Um, I don't know. I haven't had an overabundance of zucchini yet. Which means someone's gonna be sneaking some on my porch. <laughs> yeah, I just realized that. Okay, um, if you do it on Thursday, maybe on Saturday or something, I could make. Have you ever had zucchini chips? Hmm. They're like little dehydrated zucchinis, and they're actually very tasty. Yeah, that sounds good. So I don't know if I have. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna. If someone sneaks some on my porch, I'll make some. So, hmm. all right. Well, we better get into some happenings. Happenings. We've got the. Carbondale Community Friday Night Fair. Those took a little break last month, but they're restarting. They're restarting tonight from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. They have free live music, food court, farmer's market, information from local organizations, and a whole lot more. It's a good time, and the Giant City Slickers will be performing tonight, 6 to 9 p.m., Town Square Pavilion. They also have the Carbondale Park District sets up a lot of kids' games. It's very much a family-friendly there's usually a lot of kids running around having a lot of fun. There's music, there's food, and then there's all the other stuff too. Yeah. But um, I, whenever I'm in town, I love going to that because it's just a true sense of community. Yeah. Everybody is there. It's like a sampler platter of the community. <laughs> it's like today is Friday, August second at 7 p.m. tonight. Open mic night at the Guy House Interface Center. This week's open mic is dedicated to the memory of Bob Tyson. Bob was a familiar face at various open mics and coffee houses throughout the years. He was involved in various forms of volunteerism, including helping at guy house cleanups, leading interpretive nature walks, and keeping the trails clear. Everybody's going to gather and sing a few cowboy and train songs in Bob's honor. So. Yeah, that's night at 7 at Guy House. And I knew Bob. It was really sad to see him go. But we're going to do what we can to honor his memory. What do you call it? He was actually doing what he loved. Yeah, he, he was, was on a trail. He was on a trail. He was out hiking. Yeah, so. 
Yeah. He he he's he was the one that led a lot of the Shawnee Group Sierra Club hikes. Yeah. He organized them and led a lot of them. So. Yeah, and he took a great pleasure in introducing people to all of the wildlife out there and such. All right. A couple other happenings are the two farmers markets we have in town, one on each side of town. The west side is 8 till noon. The east side at the Carbondale Community High School is 9 until 1. <laughs> yes, so. and you get bonus points if you make it out to both. And also coming up, we have Family Day coming up on Saturday at Guy House Interfaith Center. It's Saturday, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Guy House and the No Longer Silence Movement are working together to create a new community event called Family Day. There will be children's activities, healthy food, and live music suitable for all ages. The children's activities include Professor Plays Balloon Art, Making Sun Catchers, Face Painting, a How to Be a Superhero Workshop, and Showing the Lorax Movie. So for more info on that, you can call Ross or me at 618-549-7387. Sounds like fun. There's a lot of kids' activities to go to. Yeah. Yep. So Friday night fair, kids and families, um, farmer's market. I know the one on the east side always has a lot of kids' activities that the, um, what is it called? The, the science center sets up the oh, booth yeah. and does a lot of kids' stuff. It's a good time to be a child in Southern Illinois. Yep. And then in the afternoon guy house. So there's yeah. a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, kids are not defined by age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, Children of all ages. Including um, adults. Simulate the economy. Um, I I said simulate. Yeah. Simulate and stimulate the economy. <laughs> no. Simulate the economy by going out into nature. Um, rent a kayak, canoe, or whatever else. Um, floaties. I think you can rent floaties if you don't want to. Yeah. So. You can hire someone to go take you out there. Like, <laughs> it's like you get at the Trails Awareness Tour. All right, we will see you again next week on the Internet, I mean on the radio. <laughs> if you would like to receive our newsletter, info at yourcommunityspirit.org.